Welcome back, guys. We are here in the zone, episode 38 today. As you guys all saw last week, we did a top 10 defenseman in the NHL. We're going to kick it off right again. Top 10 goalies in the NHL. And we all know that goalies is probably, oh man, it's probably the hardest to rank when you like think about it. Like, because there's some goalies, like, I'm not going to really mention names, but they could be in this list and they're not the most consistent goalies. And then you have some that are arguably franchise goalies and I'm not going to lie to you guys I don't think there's a lot of franchise goalies right now in this league um the scoring has been up and uh you, you know what that means I mean it's the goalie stats are not that solid so um without further ado Pinello, I'm going to throw it to you for the number 10 on your top 10 list who you got number 10 I have John Gibson okay which for me number 10 was kind of the hardest one to pick because there's like five, six, seven goalies that you're kind of looking at, like, okay, who can get this final spot? And yeah, like you were saying, the stats have been kind of down the last few years, but this is a guy who he came in at like 21 years old and he got the starting position. And, and they traded Freddie yeah, just to keep him. They, they were a very good team at the time. And even the last two, three years, they, you know, they've obviously fallen off, but his numbers have still been up. And he's been one of those guys in the league that can win you games. And he does that on some nights. So. 26 years old he's already been starting for the last five years for me that's good for my number 10 spot i'm gonna go with uh well he was on buffalo they got rid of him went to the islanders going with robin leonard number 10 he really like what he did he improved his game this year he really had that breakout year that when he was in ottawa that everyone was talking about him he's such a highly touted prospect he finally came in and got those numbers and good on him Robin Leonard. My number 10, I got uh, Jordan Bennington. Um, yeah, he uh, he basically, he didn't play a lot of games last year, about like 40. But uh, let me just give you some of his numbers. 24-5-1 last year, coming in, basically replacing Jake Allen. Uh, a 189 save, I mean a goals against, and a 927 save. And obviously we all know that he also led them to the Stanley Cup. So... Um, to me, not a not a better way to come into the league than Jordan Bennington. And a lot of people already are saying he's a top five goalie, but you got to kind of pump the brakes with that one. Uh, I'm just going to put him number 10 for now, and we'll see how much higher he gets on the list next year. So, uh, yeah, uh, what's your number nine? Yes. Uh, going to Ben Bishop. Okay. Which, uh, I feel like some people will probably have him higher on their list. Uh, but, yeah, he, he's 32 years old. He, he has a home in Dallas now. Even though he was with Tampa for five years, I want to say like after the second year, everyone was already saying, okay, Vachilevsky's ready at like 21, and everyone kind of just assumed he'd be on his way out. He's had a few 41 seasons. For me, he's not the most consistent, but when he's on his game, he is one of the best in the league, and we saw this year in the playoffs with the Stars, so that is my number nine. I'm going to go Detroit Red Wings, Jimmy Howard, number nine. I really thought this year he had a bounce-back year. He was uh, stable in Detroit's back end because it could have been a lot worse for them. Uh, this is a guy who came in when Osgood was on the team. He had to work his way up, serve his time as a backup. Then Morassic came in, and everyone was like, okay, in two years, you know what, Howard's a drill. He's going to be in the backup. Morassic's going to take over. He beat up Morassic for that spot. Staying there, uh, signed that extension. Jimmy Howard this year, I think, is going to continue having that great year. And number nine, Jimmy Howard. My number nine is uh, what Pinello said for number 10, John Gibson. Uh, I love his style of play. Again, coming into the league at 21 from a goaltender, it's very rare. You rarely see that. And usually the, the goalies that do come in the league very young are actually going to go down as one of the all-time greats. To me, this is no surprise here with John Gibson. A lot of people are saying that J.S. Shiger is arguably the greatest Anaheim goalie all time. I, I think when all said and done, it's John Gibson. I think he's got all the talent in the world. You know, uh, not a lot of goalies that get drafted high actually pan out, believe it or not. But John Gibson is uh, proving a lot of that wrong. And again, Anaheim had to trade Frederick Anderson just to make John Gibson happy. And now Gibson has all the starts in the world. And count, count me in with John Gibson. I love him. I would take him on my team any day. I think he's going to win a couple of Vesnas in his career. That's just my opinion. Cool. Uh, yeah. At number eight, I have Braden Holpe. This was a couple years ago. He'd probably be in the top five. Uh, he's been the cap starter for the last 10 years. His numbers aren't always the best, but in, at times when you need him to make a safe, he will. But um, 
yeah, he's he's around 30 years old now. I still think he's going to be their starter for another five, six years. Still a few good years ahead of him. That's my number eight. I'm going to go with Jordan Bennington at number eight. Uh, he won that Stanley Cup this year. Even though he got, like, he didn't have the most amount of games played under his belt, but he did win the Cup, something no goalie has done for St. Louis, and they've had some of the greats play for them. And uh, right now, St. Louis is on a high. He was part of that comeback, that turnaround midseason. So Jordan Bennington, number eight. Wow. For me, number eight, I have the guy in Boston, Tuka Rask. Uh, again, a couple years ago, would have probably had him top three. He was unreal 2013, 2014, 15. One of the more highly touted goalies, actually, the last 10 years. So Tuka Rask being number eight, a lot of people may surprise because the last two years, he's actually not had the greatest starts to the season. But if there was any indication, he, he outplayed Anderson in the first round last year. Um, Tuka Rask also shut the door when they faced Columbus and Carolina in the playoffs. And I don't know, guys, I think without Tuka Rask in net in the playoffs, I think Boston easily would not have gone to the Stanley Cup final. So I got to give Tuka Rask a lot of credit. You know, he really improved his game the second half. And he's also already 31, 32 years of age. He's probably declining now, but I still say I still see him as a top 10 goaltender. Tuka Rask is my number eight. Number seven, I have Freddie Anderson. You can make an argument that he's number three on this list, but uh, I have him over here solely because the Leafs cannot get past the first round the last three years. But in the three years that he has been with us, he gets 35 wins. He bails us out of a lot of games at times. He only had one shout-out on the year, but that's really more of a knock on the defense. Even coming in at Anaheim, he was coming in, him and Gibson, they were both in their early 20s and... Um, you know, they had to make a tough decision there, but you know, they're, they both really panned out, and Freddie Anderson can climb up uh, my list next year. But for right now, number seven. Number seven, I'm going to go to Garask because, like, like you said, maybe starting to slow down just a little bit, but this year I thought he was one of the best in the league, carried Boston sometimes. Uh, Char is old now, so he's not like as effective as he used to be, so Rask has relied on way more. And I think this year he really proved it, helping them get towards where they went. And in the final, so Tuka Rask. Yeah, um, for me, I have the same number seven as Pinello, Freddie Anderson. I think uh, when all is said and done, you can get all the wins in the world. Um, you know, you could bail the Leafs out a couple times. But at the end of the day, it's all about winning when it matters. And Freddie has not been able to do that the last three years. First round exits all three years. But again, you can't blame it all on Freddie. But yeah, 35 wins he'll get you for sure. Um, now, the shutouts, he had six, five, and then one. Last year, I don't know why he only had one shutout. I'm not going to really blame Freddie. It's more of the D. But um, we all know that the Leafs defense has not been the strongest over the last couple seasons. But Freddie Anderson's career save percentage is around in and around 917, which is really good. And uh, he's only 29, 30 years of age, arguably in his prime right now. So... Yeah, I think when all is said and done next year, he's probably going to be higher on this list. But for now, uh, yeah, I'll put him uh, number seven. Number six, I have Pecorine, who probably in the last 10 to 12 years, one of those goalies that's the most consistent given his age. He's been their starter for, it seems like, their entire existence. Yeah, I think so, yeah. He's seen every version of that team. Uh, he's one of those guys, when you think he's on the decline, he pulls like a 40 win and 920 save year out of his ass. So, yeah, I have him in the middle of the pack here. He's at number six. Uh, really, you, if you told me, you can make the argument that he'd be number two. You so can. The guy, like six, seven, he's a big guy. He moves similar to a Jonathan Quick uh, yeah. there in his prime. It's still very flexible, too, for his age, 36. And uh, I really have no idea when he's going to slow down because I've been saying it for years and he keeps proving me wrong. So, number six, Pecorino. I'm going to go with Freddie Anderson for six. Him and Rask, I thought, I had like in these positions of six and seven. I think Anderson might be just a little bit better than him right now. Uh, you have Anderson get like a lot more defensive help. Oh, yeah. I think he gets like past Boston. And then you see Rask, I think it seems a lot better defensively. And I think they were able to carry on. So if the roles are reversed, I think Anderson would be the better goalie in those scenarios. So I go with Anderson at number six. My number six is Braden Holpe, Washington. Again, a couple years ago, arguably even two years ago, I would have probably had him number one or number two. 
um, one of the more athletic goalies in the league. And again, um, it's all like, when it comes down to consistency, I'd say Braden Holpe is one of the more consistent goalies in the league. He's been starting for Washington, I don't know how long. Maybe it's been about like eight seasons um, ever since Varlamov and Neuwirth kind of left. You know, Holpe took the reins as a starter and he kind of hasn't looked back. Uh, I know there were a couple times there where Lundqvist would always beat Holpe in the playoffs and Holpe would get down. But then, you know, he finally, you know, he... he he tightened it up, you know, he improved his game, and then he finally won the Stanley Cup with the Washington Capitals. To me, that boosted his resume a whole lot more, and, you know, I just have a lot of respect for Braden Holtby. He stuck with it, you know, he improved his game night in, night out, basically with the same team. When you look at it, like the last four years, Washington's blue line, other than that one year when they tried going for the Cup and they lost to Pittsburgh, that was probably their best D, but, like, like, if you kind of think about it, they didn't really change their D all that much for the last, like, four years. So, Braden Holpe, to me, has only improved, even though last year's numbers were not as good. But, yeah, Braden Holpe, to me, has been one of the more consistent goalies, so I have to put him at number six here. Uh, in the middle of the pack here at number five, I have Rask. Um, There's really not much to say. I think you guys covered it. He's a really bad starter. That's what I've noticed over the years. <laughs> like, the first month or so, he just kind of completely falls off. And then he gets into the to the mojo of things. But, you know, similar to what I said about Hopi, the stats might always, it won't look the prettiest on paper, but it seems like in the playoffs when you need him, he pulls through and he's been doing that for Boston for so long. And as a Leaf fan, that obviously pains me. But, yeah, Tuka Rask, number five. No, my number five is going to be tough, but... I was contemplating this guy at maybe in the top two, but I'm going to go Pecorine at five because, yeah. like, you look at Nashville, I think they maybe have underachieved a little bit this year. I thought they could have went to the Stanley Cup final. They had a great team, uh, Wayne Simmons coming in and all that, and Pecorine, for whatever reason, they couldn't get it done this year, and they got eliminated early. So that's why I think he drops down to five. But if they were able to go to the final this year, I'd have him right in the top two. It's funny because my number five is also Pecorine. And over the years, I don't even know if he's underrated or overrated anymore. <laughs> like it's kind of back and forth. You don't know if he's going to completely fall off and Soros is going to soar and pass him. But then Rene, time and time again, like you said, gets 40 wins, gets a 920 save, gets at least six shutouts. And he's 36 years old, and not a lot of goalies at that age are doing that. So um, another name that was similar, and he didn't make the list for me, was Henrik Lundqvist. He's been, he was doing that for a long time. But Pecorine, man, I, I feel like he's aging like fine wine. He's just getting more consistent, better. Um, again, a lot of people overrate him because of how good Nashville's defense has been. But again, Pecorine, the stats speak for themselves. He's just proven to be consistent and, again, Arguably the best finished goalie of all time. So Pecorine to me is number five. Uh, number four, I have Sergei Bobrovsky, who's built a pretty nice career in Columbus, quietly. Kind of like how people would talk about Ekman Larson in Arizona. Like, oh, you should pay attention to this guy. He plays in the desert. No one really knows who he is. That's kind of like Bob for me in Columbus. He's a consistent guy. Um yeah, there's really not a whole lot to say. He's with the Panthers now. I think that'll really prove if he's like that top tier goalie because I think he's just a tier under that. If he can take the Panthers to the playoffs, I probably have him higher on my list. But for now, he's at number four. My number four, Marc-Andre Fleury of the Vegas Golden Knights. You look at what he did. Three straight Stanley Cup finals, even though he had a little bit of a backup role in one of them with Pittsburgh when Matt Murray took over. I thought Fleury was a huge part in them getting past the Capitals, and they won back-to-back cups. He goes to Vegas expansion team, carries that team on the back end, goes to the Stanley Cup final, they lose, and then this year he's still able to be amazing. It's like all those concussions he got, he finally got past all those injuries, and he's back to where he was like six years ago, one of the top in the league. So Marc-Andre Fleury for me. Yeah, my number four is also Bobrovsky. I think uh, when you look at... What he can potentially do with this Florida team, it's kind of scary if he, you know, pulls his socks up and he gets around 40 wins. I guarantee you right now, the fantasy book is going to overrate the shit out of him. They're probably going to have him the top two fantasy goalie. Um, but yeah, uh, Bobrovsky over the years, I've had him when he won the Vesna a couple years ago. He's just a guy where consistency is his only problem. He's kind of back and forth. They're, they're like one year he'll have, be, have a Vesna type 
caliber season the next it'll be like a backup type season so like he kind of his his inconsistency is what definitely dropped him for me on this list a couple years ago i think i had him like number two number three but for now he's number four and uh again like like pinello said he built a great resume in columbus it's a shame that you know philly had to get rid of him but they did and uh you know best of luck to bobrovsky in florida hopefully he gets another vesna i got the flower flurry at number three uh, he was obviously amazing with Pittsburgh, but I think the year with Vegas, like you said, when no one really expected anything, and then they came out and they made the playoffs, and then he took them to the finals. I specifically remember that first-round matchup, him and Quick going head-to-head, and that was like the only time I actually gave a shit about the goaltenders. I know that's kind of harsh to say, but because we love goals and points and all that, but like paying attention to the goalies. Fleury is one of those guys, I think one of the very few goalies in the league that you would pay to go see. Yeah. And at that position, that's a premium. So he's been one of the best for a long time. Number three on my list. My number three is going to surprise a lot of people. Carey Price. I think he's oh. dipped a little bit. A lot of people like to say, oh, Carey Price is the best. What has he won? Nothing. How many times <laughs> has he been in the class of first round recently? Not a whole lot. And he has Shea Weber back there now. And they didn't make the playoffs again. He's always injured. He finally had a bounce back year, so I thought this moved him up. I had him at five, like the end Ooh. of last year, because Ooh. he tailed off in production. You got to do what's happening lately. That's why Mark Andre Fleury moved up a whole lot in my list from maybe ten, like fifteen, like two, three years ago. Now he's up in the top five again. Carey Price is going to have to do something in the playoffs, make it there, have some success, maybe even finally win a Stanley Cup, and then. He'll go back up to being the top two. I just want to say before I announce my number three that uh, Pittsburgh screwed up. Uh, Marc-Andre Fleury is my third best goalie in the league. And again, Matt Murray is not on the list. And Matt Murray, honestly, ever since that win, hasn't really been that good. Uh, I would compare him to kind of like a bishop, but not as proven. So Fleury, the fact that they got rid of him and he goes to Vegas and he does what he does, goes to the finals, couldn't beat Washington. But again, when Pittsburgh beat Washington, it was basically because of Flurry. And Flurry, like you said, he's one of the more exciting goalies. You know, his play, his style of play is kind of very unique, like a quick. There's not a lot of goalies like that. But Marc-Andre Flurry, man, he, ha- he has to have the best resume in the league when you look at goalies. Like he has to. Knows, like he's done it all. So Marc-Andre Flurry next year, if he can continue this, you gotta you gotta put him in at least the top five goalies like in the 2000s easily. Uh, yeah. Mark Andre Fleury to me, he like do you feel like he's kind of undervalued like when all is said and done like when you look back at all the goalies because like everyone talks about Hank, everyone talks about Quick, everyone talks about Price, and Price hasn't won anything. And then you look at Fleury and this guy's won a lot, and no one really talks about him that much. So. That's my biggest question is I, I feel like he's undervalued. And that's exactly what Pittsburgh saw. They undervalued Fleury. Like, oh, he's a lot older. Sometimes it doesn't matter about age. So Marc-Andre Fleury is my number three. And I'm sticking with that. I love it. Uh, my number two is Carey Price. And this was a tough one for me when I was doing the list because I originally had him like four or five. But uh, I was kind of I was looking at this as a whole. And the only thing I can really shit on him for is just being injured. I don't really blame him specifically for the Habs not going all the way because the last 10 years or so, they've never really had the team. No. But uh, based on talent and, like, yeah, I I have him in that spot. Like, he can take the number one spot next year. He really just had that one-off year, I think, a year ago, the 17-18 year. It was a brutal year. He bounced back in a big way this year. He did. Habs almost made the playoffs. It's a good thing they didn't. But, yeah, Carey Price, (laughs) number two. Uh, my number two, Andre Vasilevsky at Tampa. They were the best team this year, set records. He deserves a lot of credit for that. And just that first round matchup, though, that's what doesn't make him the number one goalie. He got swept. And if you're <laughs> the best team in the league, you go into the playoffs with high hopes to win and you don't get the job done, you're not the best in the world right now. So it goes down. No Vesna uh, trophy for him, I don't think, because of that. I think that went into account and yeah so Vasilevsky number two if he picks it up and uh bounces back I think you could be number one before it's all said and done yeah me and Pinello basically have 
the same top four. Number two is Price for me. Uh, regardless of last year when he didn't have a good year, you got to just look at his stats and it just screams like unreal. Like the 2014 season, I've never seen a goalie put up numbers like that in my whole life. And I've been watching Broder, Walk, I've been watching all those guys. Well, Carey Price did that year when he won the Hart Trophy. It's just that was a season that I saw. I'm like, okay, this guy's arguably a top five player in the league. And now he has, what, one bad year. A lot of people just kind of cancel him out. It's like, oh, he's now 30, 31. How many good years does he have left? And then you have guys like Rene who are 36 are still performing at an elite level. If Carey Price can at least perform at the level he played last year for another five years, put him in the all-time greats for me, even if he hasn't won anything because – Man, like I think he's already second all time in in Montreal wins for goalies, and that's special in itself because Montreal's just a historic franchise. And yeah, Carey Price's numbers last year were also unreal. Like, he got 35 wins with that Montreal team, which is like I don't know how he did it. He had a 240 goals against and a 918 save. Those are better stats than Anderson with Montreal. So with that, those stats alone, Carey Price top three goalie in the league easily. My number one is the guy who got swept in the first round, Andre Vasilevsky. And uh, it really is a bold prediction because he's 25 years old. It's his third year as a starter. I'd like to say third full year, yeah. yeah. But, uh, but like four, around four where he's kind of been like flirting. I they just, they uh, put him in early, early. They really did. I, I enjoy just his entire story, really. Just, he's a first-round pick. First-round pick like for goalies, it's... Hit or miss usually on the bad side of things, but, you know, they traded Bishop for him, who was 28 years old at the time, a guy in his prime putting up consistent 40-win seasons for a 20-year-old kid who didn't have to... I think he won the Vesna, didn't he, when they traded him? It was like right after he won the Vesna. Might have been a finalist there, but he was was one of the best in the world at that time, Bishop. Yeah. But, you know, they had this kid and uh, just waiting, 180 pounds soaking wet, and then they decide to throw him in, and... They've never looked back ever since, and you can argue that, you know, the team's amazing, but I, don't, I just, I see something, in, I see a lot of Jonathan Quick in him. So do I. Yeah. Like, he's he's 6'3", he moves around really well, uh, he's a lot, he plays a lot bigger than he actually is. Yeah, he's probably going to be in the net there for a long time, and his stats are going to look amazing, it's just a matter of if he can take them far in the playoffs, so that's my number one. My number one is the other guy in Florida, the guy who swept him in the first round this year, Sergei Bobrovsky. So, uh, Bobrovsky. You see Bobrovsky <laughs> just every year right now since he went to Columbus. And what did he do there? Just keeps winning. He's a good guy. <laughs> Love him. He's entertaining. He carried that team even when they were horrible. Uh, he only – it took two fourth-round picks to get him there from Philly, the best trade, <laughs> <laughs> trade uh, partner in the league. <laughs> And Bobrovsky just every year is in a Vesna conversation. This year with Florida, he could even I, I like Florida's chances this year. They're a really good team. Quenville's a coach. Oh yeah. I don't think Tampa Bay is going to be number one this year. That spot I think is wide open now. Maybe even Florida, Toronto, Boston, Montreal. Maybe if they start coming up. So the East this year I think improved a lot, and we're going to see what really Bobrovsky's going to be made of when he has a elite squad in front of him. Yeah, I, I, I like again, like with goalies, it's tough. I had Bobrovsky right in around two, three. Like it really was tough. But Vasilevsky to me is still number one on the list, man. That guy, the stats that he's been putting up the last two years. You could say what you want about the team, how good they are, how many, how much goals they score. You know, 128 points from Kucherov last year. But man, like Vasilevsky lost ten games all last year, ten in regulation. He had a 9.25 save. And I remember I had him in fantasy two years ago, and there was a little stint there where he was pretty brutal, but he always stepped up. But again, yes, he did get swept to Columbus. That's why a lot of people don't have him number one. But if that's the only reason why you don't have him number one, that's a it's a pretty good uh, it's a pretty good resume. And it, it speaks for itself, Ashilevsky. 25 years old I don't know if you could say he's in his prime now or not you really yeah, can't goalies, really yeah. with goalies it's tough but yeah with Vasilevsky I see a lot of Jonathan Quick his athleticism is out of this world elite and uh, I think he's got one of the best glove uh, glove hands in the league so Vasilevsky's a very scary goalie and uh, probably gonna be number one for a while for me 
So without without being said, I know we uh, talked last week about a few honorable mentions. I'm just going to mention mine. Jonathan Quick just missed it. Uh, Connor Hellebuck just missed it. And Devin Dubnik just missed it. Those are the three goalies. I have the exact same three. <laughs> I don't know. I want to give Martin Jones love, but no, I look at the save percentage and I just think, nah, like 896. Like maybe four years ago, but not, no, yeah, not now. Now it's just, I had uh, Jonathan Quick there too, Lundqvist, and even Matt Murray just hovering around there at like 12, 11. I don't have him in the top 10. It's just, it was tough because it was between Bennington and quick and i was like okay quick is on one of the worst teams in the league and the direction that the kings are going in is just dead last at this point if they didn't have kopitar good god like they're awful well he brought it up before it was just one year ago him and flurry were going head yeah. to head and he looked like him and flurry were the best goalies in the world it's just it's tough because again like the injuries that he's had just killed his athleticism and uh, Dubnik, again, to me, consistent 35 win. But again, the stats have kind of tailed off the last couple of years. And then, of course, the other guy, uh, Connor Hullabuck, not really proven. He had that one 40-win season. I think he had, well, like eight shutouts. Like, he was crazy last year. But this year, not so not so much. So, again, uh, he, he was he's kind of like a Murray to me, where he's he could be really, really solid. And then he could be really, really bad. So... And they're still very young, so maybe next year they'll be on the list, and maybe guys like Holpe or Rene will fall off. But it's it's a very exciting time for goalies because there's even guys like Carter Hart that are already starting, and he's 19. So I don't know how good he's going to be, but that's for another day. So uh, with that being said, SummerSlam is three weeks away, and uh, there's a lot of great SummerSlam moments, a lot of them. I just want to refresh them. I want to ask you guys. Who your what like what your favorite SummerSlam moments are, favorite title wins, whatever. So guys, just start start rambling. You know what? I have Brock on my mind recently, because how the fuck can we not? He's everywhere now, all of a sudden. So I'm just remembering the match with him and CM Punk. Yes. Maybe five six years ago, and uh, I don't think I've seen a match. Like Lesnar has a, you know what kind of match you're in for with him? I don't know. The the way they were brawling just seemed like more intense than what I've seen the last few years. So that match really sticks out for me, at least recently. I like, uh, if we're talking recent, uh, that match with uh, Samoa Joe, Roman Reigns, Brock Lesnar, Braun Strowman, just beating the crap out of each other. That was fun. Then Lesnar gets injured. He comes back out after. Paul Heyman screaming. And then he comes and wins. That was great. I like those four together in a match can do great things one-on-one i don't want to see that (laughs) yeah one of my favorite moments pinello already said it but uh the same show daniel bryan versus john cena for the wwe title that was one of the more emotional roller coasters that i've ever seen in a crowd like you have daniel bryan get his moment beat out the franchise player and john cena and then all of a sudden the confetti comes down and then randy orton's theme hits (laughs) And Triple H and Randy start this thing called, you know, the authority. And they were on TV for at least two years, maybe even more. I don't know. But that was the start of a very interesting program between Orton and Brian. And then that all kind of went to the yes movement. So that was a very important uh, moment in WWE history. Wasn't that one of the better cards in SummerSlam, too? When I look at, like, SummerSlam, that's my second favorite. And it's kind of because... For the time, it was very surprisingly awesome. <laughs> like, like, 2013 was not the greatest year for wrestling. Like, WrestleMania 29 was not that good. Yeah, but then they just pulled out SummerSlam, and it was magical. Like, it was so good. Remember, we're at Collabs, and I'm just like, it's one of the best shows I've ever watched. <laughs> it's about time. Like, this, it's arguably one of the best pay-per-views of the PG era. Even the Del Rio-Christian match, the build for that was just... One more. I just want one more match. And then he taps. And then he tapped out. Yeah, that that was whatever. But yeah, uh, SummerSlam 2013 was just surprisingly awesome. That's why it's so high on my list. But if you want to talk about the best SummerSlam for me, it's SummerSlam 02 easily. That's like the show where I watch it from start to finish. It's like the perfectly booked wrestling show. I didn't really see any flaws in it. Um, you had Edge versus, I think it was Eddie Guerrero. 
And then you had RVD versus the guy that you cannot say, the guy from Edmonton. The crippler. And uh, when RVD's uh, headband comes off, you know that that's a very intense match. Yeah. But like another match that was really important for WWE was Lesnar versus The Rock at that same event. And a lot of people wanted to see Lesnar win, the young, one of the youngest WWE champs all time. And it happened, and then we all know where Lesnar's career went after that. So another huge, important moment for WWE there. Shawn Michaels returned, too, that night. He did. Comes out and performed just as well as he did earlier. So that was surprising. Four years off. Oh, yeah, the unsanctioned match yeah. with Triple H. Like, uh, those two matches are, like, you have the big fight feels, and the rest of the card is just good technical wrestling. So from top to bottom, I'd probably say that's uh that has that, to be that might be the best SummerSlam. I would go with SummerSlam 2000. Like, that and 02, I think, are the two best. But for some reason, like, the 2000 one, Shane McMahon, Steve Blackman's hardcore match. You have Tess and Albert come out. <laughs> Shane does that fall from the top of this Titantron. From heaven, yeah. yeah. And then Steve Blackman goes down with the elbow. He's like, screw it. Does a sign of a cross, and the crowd goes nuts. They had the TLC match with uh, Edge, Christian, the Dudleys, and the Hardys. Just go all out there. Main event is a triple threat with The Rock, Triple H, Kurt Angle, Undertaker versus Kane. So they had a lot of like low-key good matches, but I think that TLC just puts it over the top for me. I just want to fast forward a few years here. 2008, the Hell in a Cell match between uh, Undertaker and Edge. Kind of an underwhelming card. I'd say the, the pay-per-view was just fine. And then that match was just amazing. And at a SummerSlam too, with those two names, just an awesome time, and uh, probably won't see something. That like was like a WrestleMania type, like match, and we all know what happened there. John Cena got injured, and uh, it was a shame. But again, 2009, I want to bring up CM Punk and Jeff Hardy in that ladder match was just. I think that was booked perfectly. Was I know Jeff Hardy's contract was up, and if he lost, he got, you know, he had to leave, and Punk. I thought that was the perfect guy to actually, like, have Jeff leave, you know, straight edge. <laughs> and Jeff has had his, you know, drug problems in the past and present. But um, that, with that being said, you know, CM Punk was already being groomed as the next star. And then Undertaker returned right after. And that's, that's how you get a superstar over right there. CM Punk just getting rid of Jeff Hardy and then starting a feud with Undertaker. But then the Undertaker obviously buried him at Hell in the Cell, but whatever. Um, another one I want to actually bring up, a very underrated SummerSlam for me was actually 2011. I'm looking at the card. Yes, okay, you had CM Punk versus John Cena. It wasn't as good as the Money in the Bank match. You had the screwy finish with Triple H. Oh, like with, with John Cena's foot on the rope still counted the three and then Kevin Nash came out and Del Rio cashed in on Punk uh, that was pretty that was pretty funny I'm not gonna lie I thought Del Rio being champion was like god awful at the time uh, and uh, again another match that was unreal 2011 was Christian and Randy Orton arguably the greatest feud of the year and um, a lot of people never saw Christian as like a single star and if that was like 2011 was the year where Christian proved everyone wrong. It's like, yeah, I'm going to be in a main event program for at least five months with Randy. And that like, you don't see that anymore, really. Like a very eventful, entertaining five month feud. Like you don't see that really anymore. So Orton and Christian was just, was amazing. When you have a chance to bring up Wade Barrett, you do it. <laughs> he faced Daniel Bryan on the same show. <laughs> and that's why the undercard of that was amazing. That was, that was a good Was that paper. the pre-show or that was actually? No, I made the fucking cut. It was a second match. Oh, man. <laughs> I was on YouTube uh, before this one. We were going to talk about SummerSlam matches. And one of them that came out, Shawn Michaels versus Razor Ramon, 95. It was like their rematch from uh, WrestleMania 10, the ladder match. It was just as good as that match. Had all their moments. Shawn Michaels this time got the win. And that's when they really went full out. So that's an important match for Shawn Michaels because that's what made him the main event guy in WWE. I also like SummerSlam 01. I like uh, the two main events with the Alliance. The Alliance heavily you know, involved in, in wrestling at the time. You had the, you, I think you had uh, The Rock versus Booker T in the main event. Rock won, obviously. You're not going to have Booker T win that. And then, and then you had Kurt Angle defeat Stone Cold, which was actually kind of surprising. Didn't think that would happen. But just that was a, that was a great show. Like, it was very underrated. I think at the time, 2001 was looked at 
or is looked at as the greatest year for wrestling. I don't know if I agree with it, yeah, but I, I'd say like 2003 is just... It's a time. It's it's superb. And uh, that's why I'm not really going to mention uh, SummerSlam 06, 05. Not really. They're they're good, but they're not they're not that good. You're saying you didn't like Randy Orton versus Hulk Hogan? No, man. I, oh, did you <laughs> like... Oh, how about Mick Foley versus Ric Flair? Oh, oh even man. better. <laughs> how about Randy Orton... Winning the last time it was in Toronto, beat Chris from Edmonton, the crippler, <laughs> to become the youngest world champion. That was a hyped crowd for that. They actually cheered Randy Orton instead of the countryman, Chris. <laughs> they were all over the place that night. Yeah. They blew, they, uh, didn't they boo Edge that night? Too? They did. That's yeah, what made him turn heel. That was <laughs> awesome. But, you uh, people booed me. <laughs> okay. I'll give you a reason. Yeah. Yeah, that was awesome. Uh, I, you know what? I'm looking back at SummerSlam 05. It wasn't all that bad. You had Shawn Michaels versus Eddie versus Rey Mysterio for Dominic. <laughs> oh. oh. <laughs> A ladder match for custody. Who did Kurt Angle face in 05 at SummerSlam? It's bothering me. It wasn't Shawn Michaels because that was a vengeance. And WrestleMania. WrestleMania, two of my oh, favorite sh- matches. I was. Uh, I don't remember. Was he even on the show? Don't think John Cena, no, wasn't him. Did he move to SmackDown after that? Or I think it was Raw. No, he moved to Raw, and then the next year he moved to SmackDown. So I was going to say, when did the Booker T stuff happen? (laughs) (laughs) This is a blur. That's awful. (laughs) I don't know when, though. That was Judgment Day, 05. That was when it started. That was before then? Yeah. Yeah. And then he he freaking went to ECW after. Yeah, Kurt Angle was a heel and. 05. He I was. That. I remember like late 05, he was facing Cena for the belt with Davari. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he was on the show. SummerSlam. Well, that's, that, that's definitely why it's yeah. not on the list then. The, yeah. Kurt Angle's one of the greatest. Next, we're going to search it. Oh, he faced like Undertaker, so <laughs> we forgot about it. Okay, um. how about this? <laughs> out, of, out of both shows, which one would you rather watch? SummerSlam 2006 or SummerSlam 2010? What was the main one event? Was yeah. That was the Nexus for oh. Team WWE. Just give me 06. <laughs> yeah, 06. I don't even know what the card is. I'm going with 06. I just I remember that. Was it 7 on 7? Seven? 7 yeah. on 7. Bret they Hart. had Bret Hart come out. Daniel Bryan was the like surprise, but apparently the internet ruined that. That's usually the case, yeah. Yep. So. Like it should When you look at it on paper. They should have won been, the Nexus. Yeah. Obviously. Whatever it should have been Cena. And the match itself, it was a fucking clusterfuck. Like there's there's so many legends. Did in you this see how match. many? Yeah, that but did you a, see how many people turned too? Like didn't Edge turn on Cena? Jericho Edge turned and Jericho on Jericho at, yeah. at the same time, and then they just dipped. That was that was hot. And they I buried like Wade Barrett twice in a row. Then Survivor Series, Cena beat him again. Man, <laughs> it really made no sense though when Edge turned on Cena at a uh, twenty. He was like a face right after that. <laughs> like the eagles are gonna hit whatever uh yeah 20 when i look back at the main event it just was underwhelming you had triple h versus brock lesnar oh, the perfect storm booking right there he beat triple h he made him tap out like a bitch in the middle of the, like he was like no was that the one triple h when he shaved his head oh. that was the last match with the long hair 2012 Man. brock lesnar and triple h shin shame oh yeah goldberg should have won that that's the only time you can say goldberg he actually should have at the time the angle for the belt it was yeah it was a Shawn michaels in the chamber jericho goldberg spearing him through the pod was rv yeah when he feuded with jericho for hair like that was actually <laughs> so funny when, he, when jericho cut out it. of the last five summer slams five so 20 2018 to 23 no okay four-way for the universal title so 2017 just that match alone just the first time ever yeah it's true it was like well th- i remember there wasn't there a stipulation where if he lost he had to leave the company i'm pretty sure that was the stipulation that paul Heyman said and he still somehow won yeah. that's the only <laughs> like reason i kind of like that one it sticks out more it's because it was kind of unpredictable going in because Samoa Joe looked so strong from that Great Balls of Fire pay-per-view. <laughs> <laughs> and it looked like he was going to beat Lesnar, and he just barely lost at the end. And then Strowman looked like a monster at the time, and you didn't know if he was going to win it. And then Roman Reigns, you know, the way they book him, you don't know, okay, he could win. I wouldn't mind. And Lesnar is still rumored to, like, UFC, and it was unpredictable. So that's what you kind of want in the main event. It's the only thing that stuck out. Yeah, I mean, for me, 2014 
doesn't get enough love either. Like you, you opened with the Miz and Ziggler. That was awesome. Uh, Kay, you had the squash match with Lesnar and Cena, but you had to build off of Lesnar's momentum beating the streak. I think that's what the main priority was there. I think looking back on that, I, I really enjoyed that. The, the squash match? Because when I look at that match, it's like, this was the match. Like, Lesnar was obviously always a beast. But when that look at this yeah. specific match, it's like a turn turning the page. Like, who? no one really does that to Cena. No. And Lesnar yeah. fucking wrecked him. <laughs> and then the last five years, it's been all, we hate it. Because yeah. we want to see the title on TV and, and all that stuff. But Lesnar's been an absolute beast the last five years. Before that, there was like a little feud there with Cena and the authority a little bit. I uh, feuded with uh, with Orton for the for the belt. Was that around the time he kneed him in the face and broke his nose? Yeah, yeah. Seth Rollins <laughs> got him with that knee. I don't know. I even like 2015. Like I'm trying to remember exactly what took place. Like I remember you had Undertaker and Lesnar. That was pretty fun. I'm not gonna lie. Like seeing seeing Brock Lesnar actually as the face there that was, was the biggest throw off of 2015 when Undertaker came back at. I think it was payback or I remember it was Seth Rollins versus Brock Lesnar for the title. Do you remember that? Yeah, and they're still feuding. Yeah, yeah. and they're still feuding. And then Undertaker came out and he low blowed <laughs> Lesnar. <laughs> like a kick, like a punt to the nuts. And we're like, okay, is this like a heel turn? Like, what is this? I thought he was like the American badass at that point because you didn't hear really anything else after his theme song. It just ended. And yeah. that was it. So I'm like, wait, did he just turn like characters? What's going on here? Was that the same show Ambrose took on Rollins? Yeah, and the, the Lumberjack. Lumberjack. No, that was 14. Okay, that's that's probably one of the more underrated matches. Yeah, that was yeah. that was a perfect Lumberjack match. Best one ever, because they're all kind of <laughs> awful. Uh, I'm trying to remember what else happened in 2015. You had, uh, what was there? for? Oh, you had uh, Rollins Cena for the U.S., yeah, that's Whoa. a Noah's break. That was amazing. Yeah, with with uh, what's his name? John Stewart yeah. oh, <laughs> coming out and ruining like, everything. Like a fucking homeless guy he just gets in the ring with a chair and he's <laughs> looking around all over the place. Like there's two guys in the ring. Where are you looking at, buddy? Who are you hitting? <laughs> and he hit John Cena, and there it is. Seth won both titles, and that was just that was awesome. We probably died of laughter. Yeah, yeah. It was. It was. I, I still don't understand why Lesnar and Taker at the main event. Uh, yeah. But it did. But, uh, whatever. Even 2016. You remember when there was Cesaro versus uh, Kevin? Oh no, that was 15. Cesaro versus Kevin Owens it was under very it underrated. It was. That was 15. Oh, yeah, that was a good. Because that was when Owens came up and feuded with Cena and yeah. actually beat him. Good times. Yeah, good times. Good times. Yeah. But man, like, what are you guys looking forward to most? Do you think for this year's SummerSlam? No Undertaker <laughs> at the show. The club, because now. You know, I kind of like what they did here. They're not just like the club, so everyone thinks, oh yeah, it's the like OC. The, yeah, the Bullet Club <laughs> members. It's like uh, just those three guys. If you're not in Japan, this is like an exclusive club. You need the hand signal to get in. And it's like a tree host with those guys. <laughs> and then, uh, now it's called the OC, so it's like it could be anything. The only club that matters. So I wouldn't rule out any TNA guys from the past joining that club. I'd like to see Samoa Joe join the OC or Bobby Roode, Eric Young. And you got AJ as a leader. I think that can turn uh, WWE, start a little feud inside the company. I still think they should uh, put Finn with them. Yeah. Yeah. Eventually. Would be the ones take over. I don't know if Finn is even going to be at SummerSlam because I heard that he's taking time off. You got that update too, eh? Yeah. (laughs) And that was very upset. So is Finn going to expect a push when he comes back because he needs time off? Why you can't put a world title on him if you're asking for time off. There's going to be more days of work. I actually think I'm most looking forward to this year is actually, well, it is here too. We're going to go watch it. But I think Bray Wyatt, I don't know what he's going to do at the show, but hopefully The Fiend can do something because he's just fresh out of a fucking nightmare. I just want to hear those screeches <laughs> and lights all over the place. I'm sorry, man. That mask and like the eyes just scare the shit out of me. I look at that and I'm like, Fuck. It's going to make cool. the kids piss their pants. Yep. This is good stuff. That's a Halloween costume that's going to sell right off the shelves. Like I'm all in for him, and I've been saying it for since he came up, but hopefully they actually book him properly. And uh, I want to see him beat Seth Rollins for the Universal title down the line. If the rumor is that he's beating Brock, don't think, don't think he is. Do but you think Bray should face Cena and get that redemption? 
or would you keep him far away from John I wouldn't Cena? <laughs> uh, yeah I wouldn't I wouldn't I wouldn't put John Cena against Bray Wyatt right now that's too risky it's <laughs> too risky for Bray I would have had Bray just kept away for a little while and then beat Lesnar right off the bat Ooh. no that's way as that's the fiend you, yeah. that's how you make a star right there that is Gonna come out and beat a local jobber for the next three months. What it's is that gonna the Viking Raiders? <laughs> <laughs> now my biggest question: Where does Braun Strowman go down the line? That's tough. He's just, I don't even think he's gonna be on the show because Drew McIntyre looks like Drew McIntyre. Yeah, what is that? Like, I like uh, that, but I don't want it for SummerSlam. <laughs> you can't have it with Alistair Black because they're on two different shows, and one's they're both faces, so you can't have Strowman face him. He already beat the crap. Him and Lashley beat the crap out of each other. So that would be stupid to have a last man standing match and then just go and have a regular singles match at SummerSlam. I don't even think he'll be on the card. Um, I think they should leave him off the card if they don't have anything today. Because then it'll just feel like they're shoving it together last second. And then when you look at the card as a whole, it'll be like, did we really need this here? Because we're like, we're going to see something similar on Raw the next day. So I don't know, but like Strowman should be a fucking three-time Universal yeah. Champion, and they missed the ball a couple years ago. I think his time's coming around, but you know what? Maybe leave him off the card. Yeah, I the thing with with Bray with, with Bray Wyatt with Braun Strowman, he was like the hottest superstar two years ago, and now when he turned heel at the Raw we were at, it's just I think everything just kind of went off right only, after that. Yeah, it's like. One. And then it's like, oh, we don't know what to do with you. We're going to just make you feel with Corbin, Lashley, time and time again. And you're going to win, but you're not going to it's not gonna amount to anything. So he hasn't even won, like, the U.S. title, the Intercontinental title. I feel like maybe he should go in that direction eventually if there's no plans for him to be in the main event scene. I think he should, though, because he did just sign a new contract. I think they're back on good terms. I think Vince and Braun actually talked backstage, so... I wouldn't be surprised if a Braun Strowman push is coming down the line, and I'm all in for it. But yeah, again, like I agree with Pinello. If there's nothing for him right this second, don't just force him onto the show because then that'll just make the fans not enjoy it. So um, my biggest question actually going into the show is I don't know what Kofi Kingston, I don't know who he's facing. I think it's probably Randy Orton. To me, that's kind of underwhelming. I know storytelling-wise, that's perfect because it's 10 years in the making since that botch. Yeah. And he called him stupid and all that. And then basically, <laughs> he stopped Kofi Kingston's push entirely. So now, would you have Randy Orton beat Kofi Kingston? No. Like, not if Kofi won. Clean. <laughs> <laughs> no help yeah. from the New Day. Just straight like match like he had at WrestleMania. And have him go over. I don't think Orton needs it. I feel like they're in desperation right now with Orton. How so? I feel like when they look at Randy Orton and they look at the story behind Kofi, they're like, okay, you're the perfect guy at SummerSlam. You, they definitely probably brought up the 04 win. Like you won at 04, 15 years later, 2019, you're taking on Kofi, the guy that you arguably stopped pushing entirely. So like what better way for getting heel heat than to just bury Kofi Kingston again? The story is obviously there. The familiarity's been there for a while, but uh, as good as they are, I don't think that'll draw people in to the point that they'd expect. I don't think so either, especially the Toronto crowd. I think we're expecting yeah. a lot more of a marquee match for a WWE title than Randy Orton versus Kofi Kingston. But the match will be good, though. Oh, yeah, for sure. Like but for long term, I don't think people would really be interested. Yeah, it won't mean a fan. Not, you know. No, it's going to be Brock and Seth, which to me is arguably the most underwhelming main event you could arguably ask for right now. And if you saw Raw... I'd rather have Lashley versus <laughs> Lesnar. What's he yeah, up to? I think that's going to happen. Because you see Lashley on Twitter. He's causing a storm right now. <laughs> yeah, so's Orton with yeah, Osprey. They're really... I wouldn't be surprised if we see both or one of those matches in the... Would you, Kate, would you, would you have Lashley insert himself I would have triple threat interfere beat the crap out of both of them and just put Seth Rollins's arm on Brock Lesnar to like signal I'm going after Brock Lesnar and then I help uh, Seth Rollins win so he owes me later on but right now he's going after Brock because that picture got like it's got trending for a little bit so Lashley's actually doing something right hopefully they 
pull the trigger on that before they're too, like 50 years old, like Goldberg and Undertaker. Oh, well, <laughs> I mean, do I really want to see Seth win it back, though, right now? But if he turns heel, though. And it's also Brock Lesnar. So to me, it's a lose-lose at this yeah. point. Like I said, it's underwhelming, man. Like out of all the guys in the top t- in the 10 Battle Royal. Redemption from, from 2016. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I don't know. Seth and, Seth and Brock at Mania was kind of underwhelming. We were happy because Brock lost the title. But now here we are again. <laughs> he has the title. Is Seth going to win? If he does, I hope he turns heel. Like, if I'm booking it again, I've said this before. I'm going to say it again. Have Paul Heyman come out and have him turn on yep. Lesnar mid-match and have Seth turn heel. And there you go. There's your long-term heel and your long-term universal champion. Yep. There it is. And then Brock could fuck off, go to SmackDown, <laughs> and he'll be the top face there. Done. I feel like uh, I'm still on this Lashley thing because I feel like this was the time <laughs> the big they should have done it now because yeah. I re-watched the, the Battle Royal from Raw. And it seemed like a fucking 50-man battle royal where guys get thrown out and you don't even notice they get thrown out. Like, and he are, was one of them, right? These yeah. are stars. The, this is your fucking core. These are the people like we watch every week. Like, oh, we're going to commercial. Oh, by the way, this guy was just eliminated during the... What? <laughs> like, you could have had Lashley take out Rollins, who's been on top for the last couple years, and then go into your big marquee match instead of have the same thing. I think, again, the biggest issue with Toronto is they're very worried about the people they have in the matches. So, for example, if you don't like Lashley, you're not going to enjoy the match. Like, I know a lot of people, Lashley versus Lesnar, sounds like a dream match, sounds great. But really, is Collab going to be invested in it? Is he really going to care? No, he's probably not. It's is Carabetta? No, he's not. I don't, I don't know if he likes Lashley, but you know what I mean? Like, I feel like a lot of fans, when you look at Lesnar... They're very picky with who they want him to face. And I feel like the internet fans were kind of like, yeah, I want to see Seth again, kind of. Okay, this is the biggest question for me. Is Seth now, has he surpassed Roman Reigns as the face of the company? Because I've I've been getting that vibe lately, where Seth is more the guy than Roman. I think he's being, he surpassed him being the most cringiest baby face in the world. Because if you look on Twitter... (laughs) He's certainly, like, Vince, a lot of Vince people a, are being very pissed at what this oh, guy's no, tweeting. No. Just a stupid crap that he's saying. Last like night was cringe yeah, Dean Ambrose and just the stupid things he says on Twitter. Like, <laughs> they got to take that account away <laughs> from stupid him. Thing. It's Taking dumb. food off yeah. my table. Oh, okay, taking food off his table. What yeah. about the other 8 yeah. million guys who are in the exact <laughs> same fucking profession? <laughs> and then about Will Ospreay. Just, he sounds like an idiot. Like, you can't go up against Will Ospreay. Yeah. And then on TV on Monday, the Raw reunion, his promo, he's trying to promote the match. And he says, Brock Lesnar's a Seth Rollins wannabe. Because that's exactly what Brock Lesnar wants to be. Just, who writes this stuff? <laughs> I see zero <laughs> yeah. similarities. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just, I'm tired of Seth being cringy. Just, just do what you were doing for those, like, three weeks. The steel chair. Just yeah. beat the shit out of everyone. It sounds That's like it. Becky's doing his promos for him. That's maybe, it, maybe, like maybe, maybe, maybe. But uh, to answer your question, yeah. I think he has suppressed uh, Roman Reigns. Mainly because, in case you're just tuning in, Seth Rollins is in the next segment. Because yeah. he's that guy now instead of it's Roman Reigns. Is that? But is that a good decision, though? Because a lot of people a couple years ago would have been like, yeah, oh, yeah, I want Seth over Roman for sure. And now we're getting it. <laughs> And we're not even sure if we like it, which is crazy because no one really likes Roman Reigns as the guy. For me, I'm, I'll take Seth. I'll take cringy Seth all day over cringy Roman. But the thing is, Roman hasn't been cringy lately. Yeah, that's why it's starting. That's to why turn. it's starting to kind of turn. They're doing it right with Roman finally. They should really have the same approach with everyone. Yeah, but I don't know why they do these things. They shouldn't have a guy. They should not have a guy. That's why I think the 10-man battle royal, I think they should do that a little more often. Because it's kind of like unpredictable and you don't really know who's going to get that shot. It's like a reset. Yeah, yeah. literally. That's so what I think they should have done. And they should have done it with either Cesaro or Lashley. But no, let's Someone just give it, to another, it yeah. give it to another rematch, Seth Rollins. Like, no. <laughs> I'll take Seth all day, though, because he is one of the best in-ring workers in the world. And... Uh, as hard as Roman works, he's not on Seth's level. No, he never will be. But that, but again, when you look at what could have been with the SummerSlam main event, I feel like it's just going to fall flat regardless of the result. Because we already know 
what these two are capable of. Should be German suplex, suplex. Oh, Seth is going to land on his feet on one of them. Hit a oh, low yeah. blow, maybe do the curb stomp. He's going to kick out at one. Like it, it's the same shit. Yeah. So if it, like, I, I would have loved to seen Cesaro lift Lesnar do the uppercut. Like that would have been cool, but do the swing. Like, you're not getting that, so yeah. it's it's kind of stale. Uh, what reaction do you think Natalia is going to get? Boo. I think she's going to be in the middle. Yeah, Boo yeah, and cheers. Again, underwhelming. I don't want to see Natalia versus Becky Lynch Maybe. in 2019. Yeah. It's very upsetting to me because, like, I just want to see a great match, something new. You're not getting and they're that. like, oh, we're in Canada. Who's Canadian? <laughs> hey, hey, Natty's still here. Holy shit. We left her in the back for 13 years. But they did that with the SmackDown women's title. They're giving yeah. us a match that we really haven't seen, and it's exciting. But then with, with Becky, arguably the hottest act, you're going to put her with Natalia at SummerSlam. That's awful. It I'm is. sorry. I know Charlotte hasn't been around, and you can't do Becky and Charlotte all the time. But, man, like, Natalia's your best option. I just It, it drives me nuts. Like, just because we're going here, you give them that spot. I'm like, it's not going to be like, oh, yeah, she's Canadian. Like, no, we don't want to see this. We've yeah. kind of seen this already. And to be honest, she's not really deserving either yeah. when you, like, think about it. Like, you're, no, really. like you're going to have people cheering her. It's like, oh, it's a great moment for her, whatever. But, like, at the end of the day, you're not deserving. You're only getting it because you're in Canada and it's a cheap pop. And you yeah. might not even get a pop. Is that a shot at the roster, too, for uh – I guess the raw side, even though people are bouncing back and forth now. Again, like I, this is where the absence of Sasha Banks pisses me off. Like, where are you, and why have you been gone for four or five months now? Look at her Insta. I know you. I know you're sour about the product or whatever, but it has kind of gotten better. And with her being there, you can elevate it a whole lot more. Because Nikki Cross and Alexa Bliss, I thought they would be doing something a little more meaningful going into SummerSlam, but I guess that's not the case. Maybe she's going to host SummerSlam. I don't know. It's like a Black for Cesaro, yeah. which is like, I hope we get that. But Even like, for the woman's style, I'd rather see Dana Brooke face Becky Lynch. <laughs> I just, I, point, you're, looking like, like the, I you're looking at the names. Like, who else is there, though? Naomi? No. Okay, Maybe a, Carmella versus <laughs> Becky would be okay. Smackdown. Like, would you do Carmella versus Becky? No. No, you do she's Natalia. On, yeah, she's on SmackDown, and I don't like. There you go. Our truth. Yeah, I don't like this whole crossing thing. They should like Samoa Joe versus Kofi. I like the thing, the whole match, but you're a raw guy, and now he's feuding with Roman. Like, it takes away the whole brand split. Like that's why I really like, the women who are always on Raw should fight for that title. And the women are always on SmackDown should go for that title, or else you're gonna—the title won't mean anything after. Do we remember who beat Becky Lynch at the start of the year? The first pay-per-view. Oscar. What the hell is she doing? She's <laughs> part of the Kabuki. <laughs> We've seen twice since they've been announced. She made her tap out. Yeah. Yeah. Now oh, the Bukaki Warriors. Yeah. It's, it's been fun so far on TV <laughs> a whole one time. Yeah, the Iconics are solid, though. Yeah. The best tag champs of all time. Yeah. They're fucking hilarious, but, like, that's it for me. Yeah. I don't really see much. No, Peyton might be the most disappointing, like, woman on the <laughs> roster because she has so much more to offer. At least I, at least I used to see. Just and feels now, so bad for everyone because it's, like, never their fault half yeah. the time. But I know I'm very excited though for Bailey and Ember Moon. I think that's going to be unreal. But again, Becky and Natalia, that's just uh, that should start the show. Second match, give them three minutes, work a little bit, just some submission holds, send the crowd home happy with a little pop of a sharpshooter. That's it. You know, you know what I think we're getting at SummerSlam that we saw last night? Roman versus Samoa Joe. Yeah. And yeah. I, you know what? I'm not really down for it. We We've seen it, it before. Yeah. It was very slow-paced. I hope that this one's kind of a little better. Remember we saw it? I think it was at No Mercy. Backlash. Backlash. Uh, yeah. The Remember that pay-per-view? The yeah. main event. One of the worst pay-per-views ever. Was that with uh, Jinder and... Uh, was it Shinsuke? No, it was uh, Jinder and Randy in the... Oh, 21. That's in the oh. Punjabi prison match. <laughs> oh, <laughs> great Kali came well, shit. and returned. It's a great Kali. <laughs> Yeah, thanks for coming. Yeah, that was that was awful. But again, I don't really 
Like, I don't want to see Joe and Reigns, man. I don't want to see that in a singles match. We just saw Joe versus Kofi. Uh, the positive thing here is that they can't disappoint because their match from Backlash was so bad. And they're using their Samoan heritage as a story, which I guess is a little different from last time. If you want to, I guess, try to be positive because the match will be fairly slow. But there I, are some good takeaways. Again, but again, if you look at both superstars... They both can't lose, and <laughs> Samoa is easily to me losing this match. So I don't really know what to think of Samoa Joe. Samoa Joe is starting to become a Dolph Ziggler for me, where he'll get all the marquee matches in the world. He won't win shit, ever. So I wanted him to be Kofi. Didn't happen. Now he's facing Roman Reigns. He's, he's not winning that. Yeah. So I don't know, man. I don't know what's next for Samoa after SummerSlam. I'll, I'll say I say he'll captain Team Raw, <laughs> Survivor Series. And it'll be the first one out again. Oh, that was wow! Like I remember that, that was surprising. I remember that. Like if that was anyone, if that was anyone other than Drew, we'd be pissed off. Yeah, because <laughs> Drew fucking took him out. Oh yeah, Drew did take him out. Yeah, Kurt Angle, John Cena, oh, phenomenal. Shane, Triple H. Shane, I think has been in it the last like three years in a row. Don't Four years. Shit, he has. Yeah. No, three, three, yeah. Yeah, 18, 17, 16 when we were there. That was a great match, eh? That one was awesome. I remember the spear that Roman gave him oh, when he did the coast to coast. That was fun to watch. You know what my favorite part of that was? Bray Wyatt got the final pin. I love that. That was awesome. Who's that? Uh, was Roman that Reigns. Yeah. <laughs> Pinned Roman Reigns. Because I remember we're all there. The final two, Randy Orton and Bray Wyatt. And then Roman Reigns, and we're like, oh, here it is. Roman's going to win. <laughs> and Bray Wyatt won. And I was like, all right. Randy Orton takes the spear, and then he just runs into Sister Abigail, and that was it. And I think I looked at Collab, I'm like, oh, Bray Wyatt got the pin on Roman Reigns? Okay, that's, that's a good one. And then after that, we saw the 22nd main event with Goldberg and Lesnar. Phenomenal. <laughs> Fuck! Like, it is Goldberg. We should have seen that coming. Oh, man. I remember Nick asked me right away, like right after. He's like, oh, how was the Goldberg match? I'm like, 20 seconds. Don't want to talk about it. He's like, what do you mean 20 seconds? Lesnar won? I'm like, no. Goldberg won. The 50-year-old squash and bork. Oh, man. Gotta love it. And then remember that the Rumble after he just threw him out again? We're like, what the fuck are they doing with Brock now? Redemption at Mania. Oh, yeah. That was a good match. That was pretty good. It was the best it could have been. I think that was the best five-minute match ever. Of Goldberg's career, too. Man. <laughs> was it you that called it? Your guy's going to go for a spear. He's going to leap over him. <laughs> no fucking F5. And Boom. I, yeah, Let's go. That was it. Yeah, that was good. Okay, but my question is, Shinsuke, SummerSlam, is he facing Ali? Yeah. And I think that, I might, think so. be, that might be the match that I'm most excited for. I think back to your question earlier, that's what I'm most excited for, assuming he's on the card. Shinsuke? Just specifically Shinsuke. I've been shafted the last three, four times. He hasn't been there. And he's so <laughs> fucking pissed off. Never seen him live. So looks he's finally off the, the house show tours. I, Thank I don't God. know how those things work. Like if they take a group and they're like, okay, you're off TV for three months. And then this group's on TV. He's finally back on SmackDown. Let's get him going here. The guy's a star. He better win that. Yeah, I don't care if Ali, they have high hopes after this. He, Shinsuke has to win. Okay, now out of all the guys that are not on the show right now, like who has to be on it? Because for me, it's obvious who it is. It's The Miz. He has to be yeah. on the show. Is he going to face Ziggler? I, I don't want to see that. Daniel Bryan still hasn't done his announcement. I don't know when that's coming. Uh, even Andrade is another guy. Bobby Lashley. Cesaro. Is it only those three matches that are confirmed? Right now, yeah. I guess I guess they're probably going to do something tonight with Kofi because Kofi said he was going to announce his opponent, I think. Uh, I think Black should be another one who should be on the card. He's been featured every week. I, I just don't want to see a lot of singles matches because WWE's gotten into that rhythm lately where it's just all singles matches all the time. Like, come on. I know it's fun, but... Do something. Do a triple threat. Do something else. They'll, uh, they'll announce both tag titles on fucking Twitter the day before for the <laughs> show. The pre-show. The Revival uh, versus Uso should be fantastic. It's great on Raw yeah. until shenanigans. And then who are the other tag champs? Oh, the New Day. Yeah. <laughs> Six uh, time. They're going to face probably heavy machinery at SummerSlam. And 
That should be a good match. Wouldn't be opposed to another triple threat because that was awesome. I don't. Th- I don't think Brian and Rowan will be in that. I just. I, I don't know. see it <laughs> happening due, due to SmackDown. Oh, Daniel Bryan's announcement. Like, <laughs> okay, now him and Rowan. Like I guess you're kind of. You know what I want to see? I want to see Luke Harper come back. Maybe that's the announcement. He's going to announce a new member of his uh, intellectual Of his recycled squad. club? Yeah. Here's your stable. <laughs> Let's go. Heavy recycling. Daniel Bryan, <laughs> Rowan, and Harper. Well, that's it for this week. Talked SummerSlam. We were rambling a lot. And then we talked about our top 10 goaltenders. Now, next week, we're going to talk about our top 10 wingers in the league. And uh, it's going to be very eventful. Hopefully, me and Pinello don't have the same top four. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, that's it for this week. Make sure to listen on all our platforms. And, uh, yeah, stay tuned. Five-star review. Don't forget. (laughs) Boom.